2: Boom! What up, America? Doug Godlieb's show, Fox Sports Radio. Big thanks to the folks here in Louisville, Kentucky, hosting me at our I Radio epicenter, just down the street from Churchill Downs, where uh, in downtown Louisville night I'll get my first chance to see Zion in person this season. Should be fun. Duke, Lowell. I mean, I've never understood the lol, oh, because... People in Louisville call Louisville the Ville. But if you ask them how you pronounce Louisville, they say Louisville. They don't say Louisville because it's the Ville. I don't know. I'm very confused. Uh, welcome in. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. I get what, what uh, Antonio Brown is doing. I, I do. Um, there is a very big named... Sports Center host who has his own show who's pulled this move before. And it's a good move, it's a strong move. Which is the clear out the office move. That's what happened today. Clear out the office. And put all the ties away, put the take the awards down, take the pictures off the wall. Just leave the office empty. That way when somebody goes, uh, hey, Mr. Gottlieb, are you in the uh Uh, What happened? Right now, um, this is here's an honest to god true story. My last day working at ESPN was not supposed to be my last day working at ESPN. It was July of 2012. My contract wasn't up until September of 2012, and I was going on a uh, like an extended vacation, which I've never taken. We're meeting family. In uh, in Tahoe and they were going to Southern California. And one of the reasons we were going to Southern California was there's a chance that I was going to move to Southern California, which I ultimately did when I took a job with CBS. I'll never forget this. Um, This was my last day there before this vacation. And I had been told, hey, you kind of got to make a decision here sometime in the next couple of weeks. And one of the things that happens when you make a decision about potentially changing job, when you change jobs is they go like, Hey, you probably shouldn't come back. We'll clear out your stuff. We'll send it to you. And remember, I'd worked at this place for nine years. And though my cubicle had moved, um, it had been my cubicle for like five years. And so I thought to myself, Hmm. I'm going to clean it out myself just in case it wasn't the Antonio Brown move, which is clean out, clear out your office. Tell everybody you're leaving as a negotiating tactic. It was the, Hey, I'm cleaning out my office just in case I do take another job. I don't want somebody else messing with my stuff. And so that was what I did. It was, it was like a two and a half, three hour process putting together stuff in boxes My radio show there was 4 to 7 Eastern. Here, it's 3 to 6 Eastern. And by about 8.30, maybe it was about an hour and a half process. By About 8.30 at night, I was done. I had all my stuff. I put it in my car, and I drove home. And I remember driving out the front gate thinking, man, this is a big thing. This is a big moment. I may never be back. And I, frankly, have not been back. That was six and a half, almost seven years ago there was a certain, certain kind of cathartic way of doing it because we've seen other guys. Remember Le'Veon Bell when he left the Steelers, remember those guys uh, jokingly kind of going through his shoes, who wants some size 12s? Remember that? So I understand what Antonio Brown is doing. Part of this is negotiating tactic. Pittsburgh. It's been great. Here's a tweet. I'm not demanding that I be traded. I'm just saying goodbye. I'm taking the high road, even though it's not really the high road. The Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by Farmers at Farmers. We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers. dot com.
4: We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum.
2: So I got home uh, that evening, and I actually hadn't made a decision. I I'd had the the two contract offers and they were kind of eerily similar in terms of dollar figures. One was just, Hey, do you want to take a chance to do something different and, and move your family and have different responsibilities? And one was, Hey, you want to do the same thing for five more years? And I, I couldn't decide, like I was perfectly happy and content. At least I thought, but there was the allure of trying something new, moving to Southern California, being back near family, all these other things and i really wanted to use the vacation to decide and so what happened was i got home and i got a call from a woman named Lori orlando and she was like the head of the talent department and she lights into me what in the f are you doing you clean out your your cubicle telling everybody you're leaving Everybody walks by your cubicle. They know, they, they know where it's located. They see that your stuff is not there. They assume, like, what, why are you doing this? And I said, I explained to her as I explained to you right now. Hey, look, you know, I've been there nine years. I got a lot of stuff in there. I don't want anybody else going through my stuff. I just want to pack it up in a box and carry it out. And you know what? If I come back, I'll put it all back in there. And maybe I threw out some stuff that I didn't need. And if I don't, at least I packed it up and you didn't. And that's when she basically said, like, hey, we need to know, are you, Are you, is this real, are you leaving? And I was like, yep, you know what I am. And, and look, I ended up coming back and hemming and hawing, did I make the right decision, did I not? And there was a lot of consternation about it. But the point was that by making that move, which I did not in my heart of hearts think it was in any sort of way a negotiating tactic. I forced their hand and they were like, look, you got to tell us you in or you're out, which what I, it feels like what's happened with Antonio Brown, which is, did they want to trade Antonio Brown? Yes, but no, but maybe, maybe they could work this thing out. Maybe they could not work this thing out. How do they do it? What do they do? Like it was, it's a really, really hard call, really hard call. But by posting what he posted today, and it should be pointed out that forget the reckless driving thing, which is over 100 miles an hour and a 45 and he was jamming when he did so. But there's also the domestic incident, which he wasn't arrested for, but it's it's not a it's not a great look. And everybody is a little eh, there's just a little too much going on there. By forcing their hand, they force his hand. And the Antonio Brown things over. So I don't know if it was because I know there's somebody like I told you, there was a big name host at the old place that he did this and he cleared out his office and it was he also went on vacation and they negotiated. And sure enough, they hit the number and he came back and it was it was good as new. But I think sometimes you do it at the wrong moment or it's taken the wrong way and it motivates people to just get things done but I, I would also point out that so many of these players, it's from the Anthony Davis going back to last week to Antonio Brown this week. and some of the 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 narrative you're getting from other players, you know, the idea of controlling your own destiny. There has been this backlash over uh, Bob McNair who, Didn't Bobby McNair die this year? Yeah, he died. The, The owner of the Houston Texans who last year or the year before said, you know, the inmates can't run was the prison, which is actually a better way of saying the inmates can't run the asylum. But it is true that because of the emotions of these players and the desires to be in different spots because they like a different offense, they like a different city, they like a different quarterback, they like a different, you know, superstar to play with, they completely lose sight of the fact that, look, dude, we're running a business. We, we can't just satisfy you with your every whim. I mean, think about it. Antonio Brown, and I'm not saying Ben Rossberg is my favorite quarterback of all time, but he is going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He has quarterbacked two teams to win a Super Bowl, and Mike Tomlin's coached Super Bowl winning teams. He's on one of the historically great franchises, and he's been the primary focus of their offense for the last four or five years. And yet, in spite of the fact that he's handsomely, cons- uh, uh, handsomely um, compensated, he's clearly not happy. And he wants out, so much so that he's going to force his way out, no show for practices, leading up to a game, and then go onto to social media and say, deuces, I'm out, thanks so much for having me. Like If you think that goes over well, if you think that's not going to force the Steelers to move him to a location that he doesn't desire, you don't know how business works. Just like the Pelicans and their bitterness over the Lakers wanting Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis wanting the Lakers kept them from making a deal which I don't think it was as good as advertised, but I do think it's better than they would have gotten on the open, what they'll get on the open market this summer. The same is likely to happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
1: Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness.
0: He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City
4: Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck you buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer, check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
2: Russell Westbrook is now has the record for, what is it, most consecutive triple-doubles in NBA history, which is cool. And look, I'm not a, as a former point guard, but obviously not at the level of, of Russell Westbrook, I'll tell you, I'm not a huge fan of point guards who rebound. I don't think it actually helps you in many ways; it hurts you. Point guards don't rebound because that hurts your ability to generate points in the fast break. Um, it's not really your job to get defensive boards and offensive boards. You're supposed to be back. The the one thing we can account for is the fact that. Some of it has changed because of how basketball is played where, you know, big guys away from the basket. And so it is a kind of an all hands on deck effort to go rebound the ball. But it's amazing. Russell Westbrook, 10 consecutive triple doubles. And he's shooting 41% from the field, 24% from three point line, 65% from the free throw line. Those are not good numbers. There's something wrong with his shot. He was never a great shooter but he had progressively gotten to a point where he could make enough shots where you had to you couldn't not, you couldn't do the Ben Simmons on him and if you get too close to him he's so explosive he goes by you. But we're so caught up in the triple-double. We just love it because well Magic got the triple-double and the triple-double is awesome when Magic got it. I don't. I'm not going to dispute the fact that if we diminish the triple double now, it diminishes a little bit from magic. But some of this is a lot like baseball. You know, it, baseball back in the '80s and '90s, or in the '70s, you'd look at the back of a baseball card and you would see well, what's the guy's batting average, how many home runs, how many RBI. Right? That's how you determined how good a baseball player somebody was. Think about the guys in your lifetime. You didn't follow what their on-base percentage was, what their war was. None of this. No, 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 no. Back in the day, it was, what was your, what was your batting average? Because Ted Williams, the last guy to hit 400, and Tony Gwynn was hitting 400 before the strike-shortened year. No one's hit 400 since Ted Williams. And not that anybody's going to hit 400 now, but that's not even the point of what they're trying to accomplish now. Because baseball now is more about war or about whip. It's, at, it's about how many times do you get on base? How many total bases do you touch? Not how many RBI do you have? That's RBI is more a product of how many other guys are putting themselves in position to succeed to make it easier on you. That that's more where you hit in the order and what other guys in your team are doing than having anything to do with your success. Now is is what your what your on base percentage with runners in scoring position or even your batting average with runners in scoring position. That's a little bit more valuable than your over just your your traditional batting average. We used to say, "Like, look, you strike out. You strike out a ton. You know, you're not, not a value to us. I got to put the ball in play." But analytics have taught us to be way smarter. They walk, home run. All right, if you strike out, but you can score uh, way more runs, way more quickly if you just hit the little ball over the big fence. Do that, and you make lots of money. Basketball is the same. Right? Basketball, it's, it's, not about, it's not about how many defensive rebounds you get. It's not. It, this, it's a game of efficiency. What is your PPP, your points per possession? What is your plus minus? In other, in other words, what does the team do? What does the team do when you're in as opposed to what does the team do when you're not in? And oh yeah, by the way, the stats that he has, a lot of those are just volume stats, assists even. Like, yeah, technically you get 12 assists and you have 12 passes that lead to a basket. But let's be honest, if you're dominating the basketball the way that Russell Westbrook dominates the ball and you're making every play for yourself or for Paul George, there's a much stronger likelihood of having an assist. That's not creating a shot that's passing to a guy who steps up and makes a shot. There's a difference there. We care a lot more about effective field goal percentage, about points per possession, and your plus-minus than we do getting a triple double. We just do. It, it's it's a it's a lot like, you know, some people. Wow, what's your salary? You know, they want to know what's your salary. You go back. 10, 15 years ago and people want to know, or even twenty years ago, my when I was a when I was a kid, well, what's your salary? Well, hold on. What are the other benefits that go to it? What's the tax rate of the state which you have to live in to have your job? How much are you able to put away? Are you getting stock options? Do you get equity within the company? Not what's your salary? government's going to take a good chunk of that what other ancillary benefits are you getting how much growth is there in the profession how many years are you under your current deal who's the leadership there's so much more to it other than just the the gross numbers so i look at russell westbrook and the crazy stats he's putting up and i'm like look i like the fact that he's playing hard i like the fact that they're winning games i told you to start the year i thought oklahoma city could be the second best team in the West. And they slowly are creeping towards being that second best team in the West. But his free throw percentage is lower than DeAndre Jordan and Rudy Gobert. His three-point percentage is lower than Ricky Rubio and Joel Embiid. And his field goal percentage is 111th in the NBA. So you can tell me he's averaging a triple-double. But I would tell you I'm not sure he's having even one of his five best years as a pro.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
2: Jason Lockham for is an NFL insider for CBS Sports. He's kind of have to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. A uh, lot to get to. L- let me start in chronological order because yesterday caught most of us by surprise, or at least caught me by surprise. I don't know about you, Jason. Um, but the I thought the Cleveland Browns were good at running back. And then they go and sign a guy who led the league in rushing. You know, two seasons ago, yeah. but uh, is waiting suspension from the NFL for domestic violence uh, for a domestic violence uh, deal. Which we we have video of. Why would John Dorsey use his positive equity and sign a position he already had taken care of?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, if you're putting together a roster and you're trying to find the 53 best Cleveland Browns you can find right now. I don't think you could make the case they've got 52 better than Kareem Hunt, and that might not be how you look at it or I look at it under the circumstances, but that's clearly how John Dorsey was looking at it, and, and John Dorsey's known this uh, individual since, I mean, he probably first got on his radar as an underclassman at Toledo, and is somebody who he drafted and somebody who he saw succeed and somebody who he believes he has... Um, a fairly unique portal into, and somebody who he's comfortable enough with to think that he's not going to do this again. And I mean, let's be real; these are these are um, value-based, financially based decisions. You're you're getting Kareem Hunt for no, literally zero dollars guaranteed, and at most we'll pay him one million dollars for a year of work, and then you've got him as a restricted free agent who you could put a tender on at at various values and then use that as trade collateral or just continue to have him fairly cheap. And then you've got two more years of of his controllable uh, service time through a franchise tag if you wanted to go that route. Uh, You're right. The backfield with Chubb and Duke Johnson was, I, I thought already, very strong but they're trying to win right now. Injuries may occur. They've got a dynamic quarterback and a very bright offensive of coordinator slash head coach who probably could find ways to incorporate RPOs in which Kareem Hunt and either Duke Johnson or Chubb are on, on the field in the same backfield at the same time, um, you know, they, they, Kareem Hunt emerged in his second year prior to the suspension and being cut by the Chiefs as a guy who could really catch the football to the point where he was keeping Spencer Ware off the field. Could they trade Duke Johnson? Absolutely. Very tradable contract. So I, I just think it's asset accrual. It's buying low. It's Dorsey thinking, I know this kid, and I don't think he's going to do anything like that again. Um, it's the comfort of him being in an area Cleveland that he knows very well. It's an ascending team, and I think, you know, Freddie Kitchens is bright enough to find a way to use this guy, and it's also the possibility where they rehab him, he comes back from suspension, whether it's two games, four games, whatever it is, six games prior to the trade deadline, and there's some team willing to give them a second-round pick or whatever for Kareem Hunt. So I think that's why he bought low.
2: Yeah, look, I, I I get all of that. I completely understand all of that. I my my fear becomes, uh, look, right now you have positive equity with with the Browns. This is kind of what the how the Bengals built themselves, right? Like that's kind of the interesting part. Not just Joe Mixon, but going you know going back ten years ago, they were buy low guys um, in the draft and and in free agency as as well. Jason Lock and Ford joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. What's the reaction been like around the league? from the announcement that Kyler Murray is going to be a, be a football player?
1: I, mean, I think this was becoming ever apparent to the scouting community and the NFL agent community once he won the Heisman Trophy and once he made it clear that he was not ruling out playing football and as he continued to sort of rebuff some of the repeated overtures of the Oakland A's to sweeten the pot, because if they sweeten the pot, that's more money you then have to give back if you choose to actually go in another direction then it became pretty clear that he was going to exhaust this football opportunity and that he was going to be around for the combine and not be at a's minor league spring training at that point. And, and that he was going to, you know, work out for teams and, and have a pro day and see, you know, see where this, this left him. And at that point, agents who had ignored him to that point, because there's no money to be made off of a minor league center fielder, if you're an NFL football agent, um, all of a sudden started coming around and all of a sudden Kyler and his dad started, um, you know, reaching out and exploring who they might want to sign with. And now he has an agent and he's going in the, com, you know, he'll be at the combine and he'll, he'll be available for NFL teams to evaluate on personal visits and all that stuff. And he's going to be a first round pick. And I, I think he's going to be a top half of the first round pick, um, I have a hard time thinking he gets past teams like the Redskins and the Dolphins, and there may be somebody who moves up um, to to take him a little higher than that area. But this isn't the quarterback draft of a year ago. There'll be need there. I I think the league has continued to meet what kids are doing in college, even more than halfway in some um, organizations. And I think he'll get an opportunity.
2: It's going to be fascinating, though, is it not? I mean, here's a guy who is – in the five nine variety, and 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 though he's a much better thrower than Lamar Jackson, uh, he's crazy athletic like Lamar Jackson, and he, he's just he's a small guy. Like this is going to be amazing test case.
1: Yeah, I mean, there everybody's always looking for comparables, and and there aren't a ton of them. And and he is smaller than Russell Wilson. I mean, we saw Doug Flutie have success. I, I think we've seen some guys do it. His his athleticism though is is superior to most. I mean, the Oakland A's are not exactly a big market baseball team, and they you know what I mean. And they they're still saying you know telling my buddy Ken Rosenthal we're still not done throwing money at this kid. Like if he didn't have you know incredible athleticism, speed, burst, quick twitch tendencies. Um, he hasn't played a whole lot of baseball. You would eventually say, there's no guarantees, but they obviously, and they're pretty good at scouting and development, feel like he's got a chance to be a five-tool center fielder. So you know a lot of those things, the athleticism will play um, at the quarterback position as well. He's got to be with the right coach. He's got to have the right things around him. He's got to be brought along fairly slowly because, let's face it, he doesn't have a whole lot of big-time college experience either. Um, but I, I, I think there will be more than enough clay to mold for one of those teams I mentioned to take him, you know, somewhere in the teens. And again, it could be higher.
2: Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Antonio Brown posted a goodbye to Pittsburgh video.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Keep you on. Um, I don't, no, like I don't I know
1: why today. Nothing's changed. Uh, I guess he, nobody had talked about him for a week, so. I don't know. I mean, it is amazing. These, you know, the, the power of social media. Somebody posts what, it, what, it, what is basically a complete non sequitur, and then it becomes a news item. I mean, nothing's changed. He's told them repeatedly. He wants out. I reported Super Bowl Sunday that Drew Rosenhaus had told the team again that very week there is no uh, bridge to be built here. He isn't going to change his mind. He wants out. And at that point, the owner was like, okay, I believe that, and they want to trade him to the NFC, and they want to get first-round value for him, and we'll see if if they're able to do that. They haven't had any trade conversations yet. Uh, They will, I'm sure, discuss it at the Combine, if not sooner. And his domestic situation has thrown probably a little bit of a wrench in the Steelers' time frame, you know, because while they would normally be making calls right now, they're probably going to get asked a lot of questions that maybe they can't answer just yet either So there's a little more clarity on that situation. But um, nothing has changed. He wants out. They want to facilitate that, and uh, they hope to get um, some quality value.
2: Uh, Nick Foles, where does he play football next year?
1: I think it's him or Flacco in and Jacksonville, and, and I would lean toward Foles, especially with the hiring of, of Filippo. I don't believe the Eagles will do the franchise deal. Uh, I wouldn't. It's it's pretty risky, and you you can you could find yourself all of a sudden uh, having a backup quarterback. Who I mean, if if uh, I can tell you this, if he does get franchised, the NFLPA will recommend that he sign that thing immediately. And now, if you're like, this Jackson is that what Jacksonville wants to pay him? Who else would trade for him besides Jacksonville? You know, if you're thinking sign and trade, you better make sure that other party is willing to take him at that steep of a price. Or you might have him, you know, for backing up next year at, you know, 25 million. So I I don't know that they would take it that far. My my suspicion is they just go ahead and take that comp pick. And I I would expect Jacksonville to be at the head of the the line of teams wanting to talk to him. I would caution, though, it will not be a very deep line of teams.
2: Um, Have we found out what happened to Todd Gurley in the Super Bowl yet?
1: I mean, there's no surgery scheduled from what I'm told. There's been no cleanup. There's been, uh, you know, nothing other than than him resting. I I think it's just a combination of him not being the same player since he got hurt, him maybe not trusting his body the way he had, him being on pace at the middle of the season for 400-plus touches and starting to wear down a little bit, the emergence of C.J. Anderson – a game where there was not much volume in their offense really to speak of and a day when they couldn't deal with, with stunts and run blitzes and they were getting overpowered at the point of attack and New England crowding the line of scrimmage and, and daring them to throw screen passes because there wasn't a whole lot of area to throw them to and the quarterback feeling you know the weight of things and the head coach not making a ton of adjustments. And, you know, I think it, I think it all just snowballed. Um, I suspect next year, whether it's C.J. Anderson or somebody else, that as much as Todd Gurley will remain, you know, arguably their second most important player to Aaron Donald, um, on some weeks maybe their most important player, I do not believe he will touch the ball um, in the aggressive nature that he did the first half of this year. I, I believe that they're going to reassess that next year and, and, and just say, you know what, even though we paid him all this money, and even though we need to run the offense through him, there's there's probably got to be a little bit more balance there and a little bit of weight off his shoulders, or he, he may kind of hit the wall again.
2: Yeah, I, I guess therein lies, th- that gives me the question about Le'Veon Bell, right? Here's a guy in Todd Gurley that not yet in the prime of his career, and he wore down, and he was given a contract a year too early does that change at all the value evaluation of Le'Veon Bell and what his value is going to be on the open market?
1: I don't think there's going to be um, that robust of a market for him. There'll be a, a couple of teams, maybe three who are willing to pay him. You know, I don't, I don't know that he's going to get the 15 million. I don't think he's getting 45 for three, like he would have in Pittsburgh. I don't think he's getting 20 and a half million in the first 10 months of the contract, the way he would have with Pittsburgh. Um, Is somebody going to pay him 12, 13, whatever? There may be a couple of teams willing to do that, but I don't think it's going to be a feeding frenzy. Um, I reported Super Bowl Sunday. The Steelers um, have every intention of placing the transition tag on him. I still expect that to be the case. Um, Now we're talking more of a trade than just the signing. Things could get a little complicated. So He's not going to be back there, and he won't be starving, but... Yeah, I mean, they still ran the ball pretty well without him. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs still ran the ball pretty well after Kareem Hunt left. Um, you're finding running backs who contribute in the second, third, fourth round every single year. Uh, will the Jets maybe make a splash for Le'Veon Bell? Sure. I don't know how many other teams are going to dive into the deep end of the pool to do that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't even now. Look, all it takes is one, right? It's like yeah. baseball. All yeah. it takes is one. But but what is that? Is that one going to bid against itself and try and you know reset the running back market, which which seems far fetched because because of what the rest of the league is telling us, which is you're better off getting a couple because one guy wears down or one guy might get hurt, and you can find guys lower rounds or on the street that can be effective if put in the right position.
1: Absolutely, and 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 you know a lot of these teams, not that it's a great state of offensive line play in the league. But I think the the moral of the story is if you have a pretty good offensive line like the Steelers have a great one and Kansas City is a pretty good one, it, it's not the end of the world when you lose your back even if you lose them in the case of Kareem Hunt for the entire duration of the season. So I, I think you know like you've said one desperate team looking to make a splash they've got to do something. Yeah, but a lot of winning teams are also like I don't I don't I'm going to bring that guy in and now make him one of my highest paid players in the league after he literally had dudes you know, ripping him to shreds in his own locker room last year, guys who had actually been to war with him, you know, that, that's scaring off a lot of teams as well.
2: Um, last thing, Dak Prescott, uh, when, when asked about Tom Brady taking less money, said, hey, uh, Tom Brady's not even the primary breadwinner in his home. Yeah. Uh, this is the no-hometown-discount statement <laughs> of, of, of the offseason. Um, and, and look, he, uh, you know, plenty of quarterba- average quarterbacks have gotten overpaid in the past, but I do wonder how this goes over in Dallas, where they don't actually have to give them a new deal this offseason.
1: No, they don't. And I wouldn't, but I'm every, I have every reason to believe that they will. Um, they're an interesting team. In terms of their actual payroll expenditures, committed cash to salary, they've been bottom ten of the league with regularity. Jerry hasn't been spending in recent years, but that's about to change. I mean, they've got Demarcus Lawrence and David Irving, who are free agents. They'll probably have to tag Lawrence a second time. Byron Jones emerged as one of the best shutdown corners in the league. He's in the final year, you know, of his deal on a fifth round option. They want to pay Prescott. They want to pay Amari Cooper, who's in the final year of his deal. Um, I don't know how much room is going to be left at the end after that. And it, it's not like they don't have holes. And I know it's only been three years, but you don't think after that girly thing, Ezekiel Elliott's at least knocking on their door, you know, kind of popping his head in, saying, Jerry, what's left over for me? Um, I'm with you. I would not be in a rush to do it, but they've got a lot of of mouths to feed and only one franchise tag to play around with. So I suspect that Jerry opens the coffers and uh, pulls up the Brinks truck for these guys. Um, We'll see how much better they are a year from now.
2: Jason Lackham Four from CBS Sports. Jason, great stuff, man. Thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, you got it, buddy. Have a good one. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.